Hi, I'm Keith Law. Welcome to episode 48 of the Keith Law Show. I'll be joined today by Aaron Fitt of D1 Baseball. The college baseball season is underway, which also means the draft season is underway. And we're going to talk about what he's seen so far, what he thinks of this year's draft class, and whether he would take Kumar Rocker or Jack Leiter if he were picking first overall, as the Pittsburgh Pirates will this July. I will also have a new column up related to the draft on Wednesday. It's March 3rd, my first ranking of draft prospects. It's just a top 30, which covers basically the first round. I will expand that to 50 and then eventually to 100 over the next, let's say, two months or so. I really wanted to get players playing and underway. We're still seeing some of the high schools are playing. Some aren't. All of Division One baseball has at least started. So scouts have been out for two weekends and been able to actually see some players. I've talked to a bunch of them and used that to assemble this ranking. And that'll at least get us started, although we still have a lot of baseball left this season. There's still a lot of scouting left to do before we get anything towards a more final or definitive ranking of these prospects. We'd also like to remind everyone we are now just five weeks out. As I'm recording this, it is Five weeks away from the paperback release of my second book, The Inside Game, Bad Calls, Strange Moves, and What Baseball Behavior Teaches Us About Ourselves. I just heard from a director of player development for a major league franchise who said he read the book, loved it, and is requiring all of his staff to read it. Many of you have already purchased it. I appreciate that. If you haven't, the paperback edition comes out on April 6th, and I'm really hoping to be able to get vaccinated myself in the next two months, maybe come out and see many of you sign your copies, or at least thank you in person for buying it. Now it is my pleasure to be joined by the great Aaron Fitt, one of the biggest experts out there on college baseball. Well, big in (laughs) stature, at least within the industry, but you are. You and I are similarly vertically challenged. Uh, Aaron writes for D1Baseball.com. That is D, the number one, baseball.com. One of the best places to go if you want information and opinion on what's going on in college baseball. Aaron, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, it's a pleasure, Keith. It's it's good to see your face here on the Zoom. It's been a while. It's been way too long. I'm hoping in about 10 days or so I'll get back out on the road, at least start driving to stuff, So, which will be exciting. I have not been to a game since uh, it's been almost exactly a year, actually, wow. since I saw Zach Veen in Florida. Uh, so let's start. Uh, I want to talk draft, and we'll talk college baseball in general. So let's start with what I think is kind of the biggest question out there. And you, you talk to scouts. I talk to scouts. Vanderbilt has two of the top three college arms in the draft this year, Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter. Where do you come down? You can give me your own opinion or what you're hearing from people, but you know, you're Pittsburgh, you're on the clock, you pick one, which guy are you taking? It's such a fascinating question, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I feel like Leiter's the more conventional, you know, the more conventional guy because it's your, you know, more of a conventional frame, of course. Um, yeah, I think he's got a more complete repertoire. I mean, it does feel like with Rocker, you know, that slider is just, it's like the alien pitch, but he, you know, mm-hmm. if, and when he's got it going, he's unhittable. And we saw it in that, that 19 strikeout, no hitter that he threw against Duke, all 19 mm-hmm. of those strikeouts came on the slider. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of wanted to see heading into this year, can he, can he miss bats with a fastball? Can he really command the fastball at a high level? I mean, to me, it, it almost reminded me of, of Carlos Rodon when he was at NC State and, you know, he's striking everybody out, but he, he always commanded the slider better than the fastball. And for me, yes. Like if I'm looking, if I'm nitpicking a guy who's had an incredible career and he's a great prospect, that, that's where I'm going to, I'm going to start with my nitpicking. Whereas, you know, I, I think lighters fastball has, has more you know, swing and miss qualities. I mean, uh, obviously it's got velocity. It's got, you know, that, that spin rate stuff, the, the riding life. I, I like his command of it. I like how he changes planes with the curveball. Um, I do think there's fuel for, for change up there. So it's like, you almost, you kind of go back to Cole versus Bauer. 
And, you know, over the course of the season, Bauer wound up having the better year. Cole was six and eight that year. I mean, he was, didn't have a winning yeah. record. Um, he's throwing 96 to hundred and he's getting squared up. But at the end of the day, you, you kind of fall back on the conventional guy and Cole was the more conventional guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Maybe maybe that means lighter's the answer here, but I, I'm not I'm not ready to walk away from Kumar just because I yeah see this is what happens you talk yourself yeah. in circles of this stuff yes but I mean you know I still think that that Kumar's is he could be pretty special I mean like a, I don't know like you look at it physically do you think the body holds up I mean I think he can be a right-handed Sabathia physically and that worked for a long time you know he could be a really mm-hmm. durable you know workhorse workhorse guy and. Um, I just think there's 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 a lot of upside there that has even even now has not been tapped into. So, I mean, it's a coin toss, um, but I'm gonna fall back on the track record, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Kumar by a hair for now. So, what do you think of the draft class as a whole this year? I'll just give you kind of my my take for the piece I have coming out on Wednesday too. I think the biggest strength of the draft is actually college right-handers. Uh, the left-handed class in the college ranks, maybe they're there, but we don't know about them yet. But we know about a lot of right-handers. And then on the high school side, it seems like there's some strength up the middle, particularly at shortstop. Whereas on the high school pitching side, it's it's probably fine, but I don't think it's that special. But I feel like we may be light on the college position player side relative to the last couple of years. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and, you know, and I think part of that is because we didn't have you know a season last year. We didn't have a cape. Um, and uh, so often I feel like that's where the bats really start to emerge is that sophomore year. And then the, the Cape summer before the junior year, and we just didn't get a chance to see that. And so, you know, there might still be a bunch of really good bats out there that just haven't had a chance to establish themselves. Um, and you know, if you're looking for those high end hitters, I mean, I do like the catching group, um, you know, the Del Castillo's and the Henry Davis's and, you know, Hunter Goodman certainly can hit, you know, whether he yep. can catch or not, we'll find out. But um, right <laughs> now he can catch, I guess. Um, so, you know, there, I think that that position feels like a strength. I mean, even even guys like, you know, Opitz and Rothenberg, you know, older guys that are that are nice, you know, kind of value picks. There's some depth at that position. Um, but you're right. I mean, I think overall you're looking for like a can't miss position player in the college class. And it's like. Like we've got Matt McLean as our top position player on the board. And I'm like, really? I mean, I, I don't, I don't quite feel that, you know I mean? Like, yeah. is, is, is he, is he really like Alex Bregman? I, I, I don't, I don't think he is. And, you know, that's kind of the cop. If you like him, it's like, okay, physically it's, it's like Bregman. He's already been a first round pick. He has pedigree. Um, you know, he's a really good player, but I mean, the thing that made Bregman Bregman was just the, the makeup. I mean, you know, it's just, yeah. Yeah, yes. and, and I don't, I don't think McLean has that killer instinct that, that Pedroia and, and Bregman had. Yep. Yeah, that's fair. And so it's interesting you bring up the the no cape issue. I had a scout sort of give me a hypothesis too that maybe teams are more open to taking the high school player this year because they saw some stuff from high school guys last summer. But in the case of most, not all, but most college guys, they just weren't scouted. They either weren't able to play at all, no Cape, no Team USA, no Northwoods, right? Some, a few college leagues went, but mo- the vast majority did not. And some of those kids did manage to play, but they were playing in smaller or even these ad hoc leagues where they weren't able to scout them. So what's your thought on how does the industry approach college players this year when typically those are the guys we know more about. And if, if anything, this is the year we probably know the least about college players. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a very strange dynamic and, and it feels like everybody's playing catch up. And, you know, fortunately a lot of these scouts were able to, uh, to do a lot of stuff 
over video, you know, because there's, there's so much more video now for them to use. Um, so even when they, were, they weren't at a ballpark, they were able to kind of really break guys down in depth, but still there's just less body of work. And, you know, like mm-hmm. I said, I, I do feel like that makes evaluating the hitters particularly uncertain. You know, I, I feel like the industry tends to lean more on, um, on statistical track record with hitters than they do with pitchers. Cause you can look at a picture and you can see the stuff and you can yes. see, you know, here's the spin rate, here's the vertical break, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you don't necessarily need to see a guy, you know, dominate in the SEC for two years. You can, you can say, oh, we can just make this mechanical tweak and, you know, we can fix this guy. Right. But like, I feel like for a hitter, you, you just, you just need that, you need that track record. And I think it'll be harder for a lot of these, um, these clubs to, to roll the dice on, on a less proven bat near the top of the draft when there, as you said, there are so many good college right-handers out here. I mean, I totally agree. That's, that's the strength of this class. I mean, beyond rocker and lighter, you know, you've got the Gunnar Hoaglands and the um, Ty Maddens and the Jaden Hills and you know, Richard Fitz. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of guys. I think we're going to see a bunch of those guys stuffed in the top half of the first round. It's as you were talking to, I was pulling up my own list too. And it's, you know, it's early. It's absolutely early, but you're right without even realizing it. I have one college position player above McLean and that's Del Castillo. Mm. And it, I mean, it t- and, Typically, would have what would you have four, five, maybe even six in the top ten. Generally, those are the guys teams feel yeah. great about, right? They have the certainty of the college pitcher without maybe that injury risk. And this year, if you were if you went into this thinking we're just going to get a nice, safe college position player in the first round, and then we can take our risks afterwards, this is not the year for that at all. Exactly right, and you know we we had McLean and Del Castillo back to back also, and it feels sure. like Del Castillo is maybe the safest guy. Because you yeah. you know he's going to hit. Like, that's the thing is those guys were, I guess, because there's a shortage of college bats, maybe the, the ones that, like, you really feel confident in, maybe they they rise, you know, because there just aren't that many sure things. Like, I, I really like Judd Fabian. You know, I think his tools are very exciting. I mean, I, I feel like I've seen him on some of the best days of his life every time I go see Florida. Um, but not this past, not not week one. He was terrible against Miami. <laughs> um uh, but uh, you know, but that's the thing is there's risk with him. There's risk with the bat. I mean, is he, is he, you know, is the hit tool going to play? I, I believe in the power and the speed and the defense, but you know, is the hit tool going to play? And that's something that we would have a better feel for if we had had a, a season in, in the summer last year. So you mentioned uh, Fabian, you've seen, you've, uh, you went to see Florida and Miami too, which was probably one of the better matchups from a scouting perspective that first weekend. I remember seeing, at least saw you tweet. I don't know if you ended up writing about Tommy Mace too. I find him really fascinating too, because he essentially bet on himself last year when he didn't go in the top. I don't know what his number was exactly. He didn't go in top 50 or so picks. It's like, I'm going back to school. And what I've heard so far, I know it's only two outings, but it sounds like he might've really made the right choice. And he could be like this year's Bryce Jarvis and run himself up into the first round. Oh, absolutely. I mean, for me, it's a, it's an easy first rounder. I'm frankly shocked that he didn't get paid last year because he was, yeah. he was really good last year. You know, he performed as he had stuff, but now, you know, the difference for him is he's kind of developed that hammer downer curveball. You know, he was always kind of that fastball cutter guy and he's still got that, that, you know, slider cutter thing going, but, uh, but, but I think the curveball is a real out pitch and his command is just continuing to get better with the fastball year over year. It's, it's an explosive fastball. It's a great body. You know, as he's got track record now of, of actually performing and getting people out, mm-hmm. you know, which he didn't so much as first year or two. Um, I mean, for me, it's more like a Mark Appel kind of a betting on yourself and being a top 10 pick. I mean, I think he could be that kind of guy and, and I don't think he'll, you know, I don't want to, 
bury Mark Pell, but I think you'll have a better pro career than Mark Pell has. Yes. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> the most recent thing you wrote for D1 Baseball covers a guy I think is one of the more interesting prospects in this class, and that's Sal Freelich at, Bo- at Boston College. Boston College has multiple drafts. Oh. They're going to have at least two guys, I think, go off the board in the first 40 or 50 picks. But Freelich is interesting because he's a little bit of a Madrigal type, and some people I think are maybe going to call him a Bregman type because he's small. He is quite small. And his approach is a little Madrigal-esque in terms it's just, you know, just get up there and put the ball in play and let speed and some other things uh, take over. But he's also not – he's really only become a full-time center fielder this year. Now, I, I have him as a first-rounder right now, and I think he's going to end up in the first round. But what's your take on him? Give us a little bit of the color of what you you, know, what you described in your uh, most recent piece on him. It's, he's a – He's a really fun player, first of all. I mean, it's just, you can't take your eyes off him. You know, he's dynamic. Um, and you're right, he's short. He's five foot nine, but he's, I think he's a lot more powerful than, than Madrigal was. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, you look at him, he's a former football and hockey player, you know, all state, one of the best football players in the history of Massachusetts, um, yeah. which, you know, maybe that's not a football hotbed like Texas, but <laughs> it was, he was good, man. He got football interest as like a slot guy. Uh, like Edelman style slot guy, you know, so he's, he is a, he's a powerful athletic kid. Um, and, you know, my colleague, Mike Rooney dropped the Lenny Dykstra comp on him, which I, which I, I kind of, I kind of think is interesting. I mean, it's a similar mm-hmm. build. I mean, you know, it's, there's, it's, it, it's premium run tool. I mean, first of all, it's, it's an 80 run tool and mm-hmm. any ground ball, even to second, like a routine ground ball, second base, like yeah, I had a three, nine, one up, up the line this weekend. I mean, and he just forces infielders to make misplays. And so, uh, but, but I also, you know, I saw him pepper, you know, gap to gap with, with hard line drives. I saw him turn on a ball for, for a home run to right field. So I do think there's strength in there. Um, you know, I, I, it, it's one of those things too. We talked about Bregman, like if you're short, I think you kind of got to have that edge to you. You know, I, I, I don't know, like Pedroia had it. I mean, it's easy to fall back. And like Altuve, Altuve feels like the, the more of the comp for me than magical, because even though he's short, I just think he's got that, you know, it, and it's not even all the way there yet, but he's got that physicality, that, that real explosiveness to him. Whereas magical, um, I loved the, the natural hitting instincts, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the, bat, the, the bat to ball instincts, but I never yeah. really saw him drive the ball that much, you know, whereas I think you can see that with, with Sal and I think he'll continue to do more of that, but uh, it, it's, it's really, you know, you don't want to get too carried away with makeup, but it does matter. And it's, this kid is special. Just talking to him, you know, you get it right away. Some guys have the it factor um, mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm not going to bet against a guy like that. It just, I, I think he's, he's a lot of fun to watch and, and he's a lot of fun to be around. Yeah, I do think because he's a case like it's like the five ten right handed starter, and there's a couple of maybe more six foot starters. Like I think Petty in South Jersey, the high school kid, he's more like six feet. But he's been up to a hundred. Mm. If you're arguing against the archetypes that we have for some of these players, that's fine. But there has to be a reason you're buying in a beautiful delivery or exceptional hand strength or makeup. And I understand like makeup is a nebulous thing. And I think a lot of fans and readers have a hard time really understanding how we apply it. But in the case of Freelich, Freelich 20 years ago, that's not an issue. People just, you know, that guy's, well, he's the speedy little center fielder. He goes, you know, pretty high in the draft. We liked those players. And that was just sort of what your middle of the diamond guys were supposed to look like. Now, a lot of guys just don't look like that. A lot of our middle of the diamond guys who can really run and who put the ball in play, they're 6'2". Yep. And I feel like Freilich, it's not that he gets overlooked because we're talking about him, 
But I do feel like he's just enough of an outlier that for him to have something like incredibly competitive makeup or history of taking really good at-bats, because maybe he's not magical in bats a ball, but he's pretty good yep. at it. Those things, I think, also will will help his case when it comes to a drafter him saying, all right, we pick 20th overall. Are we taking this guy? Is he a consideration for us? Because I have the spot where I think he fits into the draft. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, I'm going to maybe make a comparison here, too, to another Northeast kid. You know, Marcus Stroman, when, when he was in high school – I mean, what was he, 5'7"? I mean, is that what he is? Uh, five, yes. Something like that? He's, he, yeah. he's, he's like fit and law-sized, except he's um, he's a monster, you know? And like, I remember talking to right. Stouts, even when he was like a junior in high school, I was like, yeah, he's short, but um, can we say brick shithouse on the podcast? I don't know. Yes, you can. You okay. can. Absolutely. That was, Technical that was term. The, that was the phrase that, you know, I remember hearing the Scouts use to describe him. And, yeah. And I think that I think that applies to Stout also. It's just like, it's a freeze. He's short, but he's a freak. And, you know, and, and hey, it worked for Strowman. I mean, he beat, everyone, everyone said he's too little, he's going to be a bullpen guy or whatever. And I mean, it, it, he defied the odds. Yeah, I think that that's for short guys in general. And I, I, you know, I've said before, I'm not opposed to short guys on, as a short guy myself. <laughs> I'm not opposed to short players, pitchers or position players on some sort of principle. It's not that, oh, you can't, if you're that small, you can't do X, Y, and Z. But you're going to have to maybe answer some different questions. Like in the case of Stroman, the question, biggest question I had was, he pitched, he threw a four-seamer in college. Is he going to be homer prone? Is he just going to lack plane? There's not going to be downhill. So is he going to be pitching, you know, with a with, with a hard, but kind of straight four-seamer and guys are going to hit it. Well, he gets into the big leagues. He works, he credits Roy Halladay with this. He starts sinking the ball and suddenly the whole package looks different. Everything looks different. And if you think this is a little hindsight thinking, but Stroman being an exceptional athlete and extremely bright, he was able to make that adjustment. Maybe with a free, like, and you know, you obviously know him better than I do, but maybe he's that kind of kid where you can bring him in and say, no, we just want you to change where your hands are a little bit so you can drive the ball. Because yeah. his whole game in college has been contact. Just right. put the ball in play and run like hell, which is great. But at some point, someone's going to ask him to hit the ball a little harder You've got to know if you're the team drafting him, does he have the makeup, the intelligence, the work ethic to be able to make that adjustment? And that's why one, one thing that struck me is talking with him and asked him about kind of that power game and the approach. And he said, you know, um, I didn't go out there. I wanted to start, you know, driving the ball more and hitting more power because I knew I had it in me, but I didn't want to just go like try to put on a bunch of weight. You know, and I feel like too many guys do that. Like, oh, I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I need to bulk up. I need to, you know. He's just like, I just changed my approach. I decided I want to be more of a, more of a collision contact was the phrase he used. I mean, more of a collision contact hitter. I like that. And so he's just like making more of an effort to, to turn on the ball and drive it. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I think we're starting to see the results of that. I mean, we'll, we'll see as the season progresses how much that materializes. Yeah, I do think if he starts hitting for more power, he'll be, then I've got him ranked too low, to be honest. If he starts throwing more game power, I think uh, he's got to do it. I'll, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, where you live, and actually kind of where I live too, we see a lot of ACC baseball. It's drive, it's really drivable for you, and it's reason some of them are drivable for me. I feel like it's the this is a very ACC SEC year too, and I know that's typical, but it seems even more concentrated. The guys outside, the Big Twelve seems a little bit light. The Pac twelve seems really light to me this year. Yes, yeah, and 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 California high schools aren't playing, so. I mean, I'm sort of wondering, do I get to California <laughs> at all this year? Um, it'd be a shame. I like going to California. Yeah. So, yeah, um, me too. <laughs> well, what's your take? I mean, again, just, again, just sort of looking, I've really only looked at the, the absolute top of the draft. You look deeper earlier on. Do you think that's a fair assessment for fans who are just saying, yes. what do I watch? I just want to watch some games this weekend. ACC, SEC should be your first stops. 
No doubt. I mean, you know, the thing about it is I actually think it's better here for, for position players in the ACC than it is in the SEC, which I don't think is usually the case, but like we were, I don't remember what the number was, but we did our, our just our all American teams the preseason. And I think it was like 19 ACC position players and maybe like seven SEC or some crazy thing. It was, it was lopsided mm-hmm. uh, in a way that surprised me, but the SEC arms blow them away. You know, that's the thing, yeah. like that's what separates the SEC from everybody else is they've, they got so many good arms than the rest of, of the leagues. And I mean, really they, they probably have more, top five round arms and everybody else combined. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's nuts. It's nuts. And, and, you know, like in the ACC, you're still kind of waiting, like who, who are the best arms in the ACC? Is it, is it Mason Pelio? I mean, maybe down the road, not yet. He just, you know, he just got it handed to him at Duke uh, this weekend. Um, you know, I, I like Brent Herter at Georgia tech is kind of your like lefty, you know, physical pitch ability coming off TJ, but like, it's not, you know, it's not like an elite prospect and, you know, Louisville has some interesting guys. Glenn Albanese, maybe, maybe he can make a jump. But, I mean, he was just kind of a bullpen guy for his first couple of years. He's got a lot to prove and that needs to establish himself. So, you know, that, that's, the, that's the difference is the ACC just doesn't have that real high-end frontline pitching that the SEC does. But I still think if, you know, if you're looking uh, to go prospect watching, to flip on any ACC game, you're going to see some, some position player talent. Um, you know, even teams like um, – you know, I mean, obviously Virginia has a lot, has a lot of interesting guys and um, Louisville, I really like their lineup. Wake Forest has some, some players. Um, I mean, every, everybody does. I mean, Notre Dame, Nico Cavadas can, can hit the ball a mile. I mean, he's what he is, but he's, he's got power. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, Pittsburgh is Kyle Hess is something, you know, I mean, like it's kind of like a Derek Fisher type, you know, of, of athlete. Um, there, there's, there's guys all over the league. So it's, that's definitely um, the place to start. If I'm looking for prospects, ACC, SEC. One of the other really interesting teams uh, for me is Mississippi State, where um, we could have right their entire weekend rotation could go in the top. I don't know. You tell yeah. me. Yeah. Two rounds? Yeah. Maybe. Sure. Yeah. If Sarantola, Charantola, I want to call you. It looks Italian. I'm going to call him Charantola. Nice. <laughs> if he throws strikes, he's as good as the elite elite guys we were talking about earlier just in terms yeah. of what comes out of his arm obviously he doesn't have the tracker because he's not going to pass lighter rocker and to me lighter rocker hill that's your uppermost tier of college pitching from what we know so far um but tarantola has got stuff to rival them he just yeah. has basically no tracker you know obviously nobody pitched last year as a freshman he didn't throw a lot of strikes he's only pitched once this year and he didn't throw a lot of strikes again but that whole mississippi state rotation to me is absolutely fascinating where you've got the combination of styles stuff but they're all drafts. They're all three of them yep. are really high drafts. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's interesting because it's, it's like Goldilocks almost like you've got your, um, <laughs> you've got your, you know, your, your safe guy, Christian McLeod. He's like your, your physical lefty. He's got pitch ability. It's not premium velocity, but you know, he might bump a 94 kind of pitch 89, 92 with, you know, real good feel for change up and a curve ball. And he's just, you know, that's like your, your typical safe college lefty who maybe goes around pick, 40, you know, I mean, um, maybe he's like an Ethan small range type guy, you know, or, a, you know, under Alex Wood. Um, there's, there's always somebody like that in the SEC. Uh, and then you got your kind of big, 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 big ceiling guy, Sarantola with, you know, Canadian raw arm. Uh, it's, it's, it's your wild card. It's your, your high risk, high reward guy, but you're right. I mean, the pure stuff is might be the best pure stuff in the country. I mean, we're talking mm-hmm. about a, uh, I mean, I think on the right day, you might see him throw 98 with a, with a, with like 84 mile an hour true curve ball that spins at 3,300 RPM. 
I mean, what in the world? What in the world? I mean, you just don't see that anyway. No, not not even the big leagues. You don't see that. So it, it's it's crazy. Uh, but he's got to he's got to throw strikes, you know. And then then yeah. there's then there's your 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 just right your Goldilocks guy, and that's Will Bednar for me. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it's 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 stuff and it's some pitchability. Just not a long track record yet because he only pitched four weeks last year and the season was canceled and he's an eligible right. second year guy. So, uh, but yeah, I like that guy a lot. I, you know, he's got big league bloodlines and um, yeah, I think the delivery works. It's repeatable. Yeah. So, so he's, I think he might wind up going the highest of those three just because it combines the two things, the pitchability and the stuff. But the other, the other guy in that same state, um, you talked about, you know, the top tier rocker, lighter hill. I think Gunnar Hoagland has maybe moved yeah. up into that top tier for me. Um, Cause he's, you know, again, already been a first round pick. He has pedigree, but, uh, but it was first year or two, really, even Ole Miss, it was like 88 to 90 fastball. And when he commanded, he didn't never walked anybody. I mean, he just is freakish, freakish control. But now that the fastball has taken a jump, um, I think our guys who saw him uh, globe life last week said it was like 93 to pitch 93, 95, maybe bump to six, you know, with, I, think, I heard the same. Yeah. And, and I think it's, a, I think it's a high spin rate fastball from what I've seen in the past. Um, you know, and, and secondary stuff continues to like gradually improve. Maybe it's not like wipe out secondary stuff, but it's good. And, and he commands it. He's got pitch. He's got a great body. You know, he repeats delivery arm action. I mean, it's, it's all there. So I, I was talking with a, with a cross checker the other day who said, yeah, for me, he's, he's past time Madden on my board. And, um, you know, Madden's got great stuff too, but I think he's maybe less of a, less of a proven strike thrower, but yeah, it'll be fun to kind of nitpick these guys as we go through the season. Cause there's some really good writings. I actually have Hogland over Madden too. I just had to, I had to check to make sure I had that correct. But yeah, I have Hogland as the fourth, uh, fourth college pitch, fourth college for they're all right-handers, obviously. But that, yeah, I agree with you. It's a pretty delivery too, and, and there will always be scouts. And I'm, I trust me, I like a pretty delivery too. There will always be scouts who look at that favorably and say, you know, there's more certainty there. We know he's going to throw strikes, so we feel better about him staying healthy. Yeah. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask you about, so we've focused mostly on major colleges, major conferences and major colleges, but there are some interesting guys at some smaller colleges this year. There's Kowser at Sam Houston State. There's Backman at Miami of Ohio, who really came out kind of on fire to start this year. Who are some favorites? And you can talk about specific prospects or even if there's just a small college team you really like so far that you think people who, whether they're interested in the draft or they're just interested in college baseball, they should pay attention to. Yeah, I mean, those are certainly two good names. And, and I would say Joe Rock um, is, is kind of the, the helium guy from the fall uh, at the university or at Ohio U rather. Um, yep. You know, it's like your you're six foot five projection lefty, limited track record. I think he, he hadn't pitched in over a year. Uh, I don't remember what the injury situation was, but um, he was starting to like get some buzz in the fall. Um, I think people told me he was like up to 96 in the fall with a, with a real good breaking ball. And uh, he went, went out and threw a seven inning, no hitter this week. So, um, you know, performance off to a good start. We had a guy there who said the stuff was, was good. So um, that's what you got to do in baseball. You get a guy grinding it out, watching Ohio U in, in February, if you, if you yeah. call it D1 baseball, uh, <laughs> but he's, he's interesting. And, you know, it's, again, it's one of those guys with, with less of a track record, but how about Bryce McGowan at Charlotte? Um, ah, that's, one. uh, that to me, like you talk about like a Bryce Jarvis jump. I mean, I, I think Bryce turned himself Jarvis, that is turned himself into, you know, a first rounder by how smart he is and, and just his, um, his off season work. I mean, I, I actually spent a day with, with Jarvis last summer when he was up at, at the Cressy center in Massachusetts 
And mm-hmm. you kind of went over his routine. He was really focused on, you know, targeted uh, workout stuff to try to, to try to throw harder. Uh, but also he spent a lot of time on pitch design and he came out uh, in the spring and you saw that, you know, the better, you know, real curveball, out pitch curveball in addition to that, that, that wicked slider and, uh, and fastball velocity took a jump. But along with that, the command took a jump. And I think McGowan, we could see the same thing. It, it's always been uh, erratic with the, with the control piece, but he spent the summer working out with, I think it was at P3 Center in St. Louis and mm-hmm. worked hard on pitch design. He really has, if you talk to him, he's got an advanced understanding of how all these metrics work. I mean, it's not just like, oh, my spin rate is whatever. And like, he actually knows how to apply these things and to make changes. Um, and and, and I, I, I like that. I like that aptitude. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think I saw him in the fall. It was, it was, I don't know, 97 or 98. And I saw four pitches. I saw a hammer breaking ball. I saw a slider and a changeup. And, um, you know, if he throws strikes, that guy could really take off. And it's one of those things where as the velocity climbs, sometimes so does the command almost paradoxically. And, and I think you're, you're kind of seeing that with him. And he was really good uh, this past weekend. So that's kind of an interesting sleeper guy as well. My guest today has been Aaron Fitt. He is the editor and a national writer for D1 Baseball. It's D, the number one baseball.com. You can also follow Aaron on Twitter at A-A-R-O-N-F-I-T-T. Aaron, thank you so much for the time today. I really enjoyed it, Keith. That's all for this week's show. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe.